0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. In this episode, we are joined by Katie from Etsy to talk with us about building and fostering a front end culture within your companies. Katie, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do, and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? <laughs>
1: Yeah, hi, I'm Katie Siler miller um, I'm a staff engineer on the front-end systems team at Etsy. I also made a super ridiculous website called Oh Shit Git, which um, hysterically is what I am well known for, not being a front-end engineer, but hey, that's cool, we'll go with it. My favorite happy hour beverage is clearly my ties.
0: Awesome. Well, let's also go around the table and give introduction to today's panelists. Mars, you want to start it off?
2: Sure. Um, I'm Mars, and I'm a senior software engineer at Netflix. Stacey London, a senior front-end engineer at Atlassian.
3: Jem Young, senior software engineer at Netflix.
0: And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a software engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that, if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. What did we decide today's keyword is? Respect. 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 Love it. <laughs> so if any of us say the word respect, we will all take a drink. All right. Well, let's kick this off. What does front-end culture in your company mean to you? I think that's a good way to start. We're talking about this front-end culture. What does it mean to you in your companies?
1: So I think to me that there's a couple of different facets of having a good front-end culture. The first of which is hiring practices is that... You have interview processes in place that allow folks who maybe have like a front end skill set who really know like HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And I think you ask about things like accessibility and performance, and like maybe you're a little more willing to kind of not care as much about deep algorithms or sort of like the traditional computer science skill set. Um, so I think. That's kind of the first part of it. And then the second part is as far as, like, job responsibilities and titles. Like, I mean, I've worked places where because I reported into the UX org, people were like, you're not allowed to touch our build system because you're not a real engineer. And to me, like, that's not a good (laughs) front-end culture. (laughs) Like, a good front-end culture is like a, a... Admitting that we're all engineers and we're all in it together, and and having that respect first.
4: For- <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it's gonna come up. A lot. That was like the best word. <laughs>
0: yeah, I like what you said. Even with the interview process, I was even thinking about people that, that are already there. Like I think about it as really just having engineers that are passionate about mm-hmm. the front end, because uh, I've definitely been at companies where they're like, yeah, yeah, the front end, big deal. Like it's mm-hmm. not a big they're like it's fine it's nothing um but i think having that and just having engineers who actually care about it and can talk about it and and be passionate towards the front end can just be a start
2: totally i think a good uh a company that has a good culture for front end will um have really balanced teams so like if you have like a, a kind of setup where you maybe have like feature teams or like subsets of teams working on things and building out something for your web app or website that the team is has um people that understand things about the front end and so they're gonna be um they're gonna care about things like that, that you know Katie had mentioned like you know responsiveness, accessibility, um semantic, HTML, all of that stuff will come into their in the mix because that that person's gonna bring that skill set. And then there's also a back end person who's really great at making amazing APIs and scaling uh APIs or getting data in an efficient manner, and they're really great at that. And then everybody kind of complements each other. And it's cool if you overlap. Like, everybody does probably have skills that overlap, but you have, like, a really good balance on that on that feature team. And that, to me, is, like, a really... You can see that that's a culture that respects front-end because they, they put... Oh, I said respect. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Because I know that that kind of team is going to build the best thing, and it's probably going to be the best thing in terms of UX and the best thing for the customer. And it's going to, you know, everyone sort of wins when that happens.
3: I like that bit on interviewing. That is something that, like, we've probably, we've talked about a few times. Oh, but we've l- talked about it many times. <laughs> but we don't hear it enough about, you You go to some company and you say, like, I want to be a UI engineer. Cool. That's what we're hiring for. Now, uh, solve the sea is in like big O time like yeah, insert your <laughs> like, algorithm yeah. here yeah. it's just a like
1: binary tree on a whiteboard exactly <laughs>
2: ah, nightmare part
3: yeah. of it is just uh respecting oh, cheers cheers. <laughs> cheers it's respecting that building ui and ux is a completely different skill set yes there is like a bit of computer science involved and it's it's a lot less traditional than what a lot of people have come up with. However it's a totally different skill set and you should interview like that. And that is part of what understanding like a good front end culture is.
5: I think it's, it can be hard though, at least in companies I've worked at previously. Like I agree with the, um, I'm not going to use, the, the other word valuing people who have front end skill <laughs> Um but I think sometimes like the biggest hurdle can just be even getting um, other engineers to recognize that there is kind of another area that we should be working on and focusing on and having empathy with our users and recognizing that it is a valuable skill set and that it is also a separate skill set that in order to to make an application good you need someone who can you need to sort of um, specialize at a certain point to have people who know their area of expertise and one of those areas is front end and it gets overlooked a lot of the time
0: Yeah, I think there definitely are people who can do it full stack and and do a good job of it. But I think it just becomes that as there's so much complexity that come on the back end, on the front end, your algorithms, whatever you need in lower systems, it really helps having people really focus and care about that, too. It's like you're going to have someone who's super passionate about writing APIs. And then you're going to have someone who's really passionate about the UX and UI and really caring about that. And that, that makes a lot of sense to be very focused.
5: I think for a lot of people sometimes, too, at least having worked with other back-end engineers is they don't often recognize that there actually is a lot of work that goes into making a good front-end. It's not just the final polish or layer it has to be considered in the process and you have to make time for it and that i find can always be a really a really difficult battle or conversation to have
0: so what do you do when you're dealing with engineers in a company maybe you're the only front end engineer and you're like how do i shift people's thinking and getting them to be seeing that hey this is a skill set and this is a area that we really need to focus on how do you get buy-in from that from the rest of the team.
5: Just like um, at the previous company I worked at, we we had a similar uphill battle. We had a few front-end engineers and a lot of backend engineers and trying to get other engineers and other teams to see the value that we brought um, was a bit challenging. And one of the things that we actually helped them do was to try to get them involved in that type of work by laying a good foundation or groundwork for them to get started. So in order to keep the quality of the front end high, we kind of built a component library. And like here, use this for your front end. And then they can look oh, this is easy. It's just like putting Legos together. But through even that process of taking these components and putting them together and bringing building their dashboards and their UIs, they begin to have a better appreciation for what it is that we do. Because even they were doing kind of the basic interlacing. They're like, wait, but this component already works. How does it work? And like kind of digging into it and beginning to realize it's a Actually, a lot going on beyond you know the component props that we were working with.
2: One thing I think that's been helpful is to, if you have somebody like a team lead or someone in a in a leadership position that can get on your side, and you can get them to agree to create something like a definition of done or or something that says like when we make a new feature, it has to have these things. It has to be accessible. It has to be um, responsive to different device sizes. And if you have that as like a thing that's kind of like a checklist and you're building a feature, I think that helps build respect because if someone doesn't know how to do those things, they'll kind of instantly be able to (laughs) (laughs) cheers. Cheers. It helps someone that isn't focused on the front end understand of how much goes into it. Cause then it's actually, you can like see it on a list.
1: Yeah. I think it's, it's really easy to, to discount how complex the field of front end is like, you know, this is something I sort of say when I'm, I'm t- telling people like, oh, well, full stack is a lie. Like like it used to be full stack was like, oh, maybe you knew a little HTML and maybe you knew a little bit of PHP and maybe you knew Apache. But like the LAMP stack is not what we do anymore. And that all every single layer of the stack has increased in depth and complexity. And I think that a lot of times people don't understand that when we talk about front end we're talking about usability we're talking about responsive design we're talking about performance we're talking about internationalization which is like a huge thing that people don't think about
0: right to um, left yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know or we think our um accessibility or you know there's just there's so many layers to each piece of the stack and i don't claim to understand all the layers of like database administration and what it takes to make sharded databases and have them talk to each other and keep the data up to like so i i think a lot of it is is trying to build that empathy of like okay yeah this is actually really complicated and there's really a lot that goes into it it's not just pushing pixels around on a screen
3: a good way of doing it what i've seen is encouraging hack day so let's say you're it's tough when you're the only front end engineer at a company it's hard to get the Buy in. Buy in. <laughs> it's too early to say the keyword this many times. Uh, like, hack days are really, I've found, are pretty useful. Even if it's like a three person company, it's like, okay, today I'll work on the database side or the API side. You build out the front end, then you do this. And then it's really quickly, I've always seen, they see how complicated it is. Like, oh, I can't just do this. I'm like, well, no, because of this. How do you remember all this stuff? I'm like, that's just what we do as, yeah. as DUI engineers. It's really complex. And that that usually helps because I've definitely been plenty of places and heard many stories of I have a master's in CS. JavaScript's not a real language, blah, 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 blah. Like that still exists today, but I'm like, okay, go ahead. Build it out. Go. People are like, oh, I'll just use Create React app. And like I've seen them dig themselves into a hole so fast on that. To get you started. Mm-hmm. Oh, to get no, you, you started. definitely <laughs> get you started. <Yeah. laughs> create React, hey, let's yeah. go ahead and test this on Internet Explorer. It doesn't work. Oh, yeah. it doesn't
0: work. How come? And or even just like you need to change something that doesn't, it's not boilerplate. That's where it becomes a lot more difficult. That's a good point. So, I think we've covered that there are a lot of benefits for having a front end culture, but we didn't really touch solely. I think, Mars, I think you covered a little bit of like how to convince people is like maybe even like having your teams create a component library or leaning on leaders. But what if you're that one engineer, like maybe don't have a leader buy in? Like, what do you do? I think that's a hard thing to solve. But I feel like if you want to build out that culture, it's definitely something that you should be thinking about.
1: I think, um, something that has been really useful or that i've seen is is a lot of times the the pressure to build a frontend culture comes out of design because the the process of like qa and design feedback working with somebody who doesn't also themselves think about ux doesn't think about user experience doesn't really understand um or care about how things actually are displayed in a client to a user, that designers feel that pain so much more than everybody else in the organization because they're the ones spending multiple rounds of writing up, no, this needs to move, this needs to change, something needs to happen when you hover over this button. And so um I feel like a lot of times getting those allies in the design work can be really helpful to, to have that voice for like, all right, yes, front-end is actually really important and we need to care about this.
0: Yeah, I actually really like that, just using designers as an ally because it's like you're you're both closer to that problem. Another thing I was thinking about too is even just like picking something, like maybe it's accessibility or something that you think can be vastly improved in the company and give a presentation, give a talk, do a bag lunch, whatever it is, to really show like, hey, this is we need to be doing better at this and like really showing that and getting, even if it is back-end engineers that are working on the front end or it's a full-stack engineer, is just helping educate them more to their understand that why this is a good thing that we should be thinking about.
2: I like that idea of building empathy and, and doing a talk or even like uh, setting up sort of like a lunch and learn thing where you play a conference talk or something. And you, and if, if you can get everybody to come to it, um, there was one recently that I did at uh, on Bitbucket, which was uh, one for accessibility. It was Leona uh, Watson, I think is her name. Oh, she's, she was, awesome, she's awesome, too. Yeah. yeah. Doing this whole thing where she was using a screen reader to navigate so you could s- see that experience and, like, listen to how she experiences traversing sites and things. Um, and, y- and you can see people's eyes in the room like, wow, you know, like things start to click. The empathy is built by just experiencing it. So I think that's one cool way to do it.
0: Oh, for accessibility, I've literally just loaded up the screen reader and shown people like our own sites. You you just hearing the voiceover, you're like, oh yeah, like imagine not being able to see this. Uh, I have no idea where I'm navigating. And I think that can even be powerful. You don't even need someone else to do it. Just it's pretty easy to load up.
1: Yeah. And I think another big lever is performance. And that's unfortunately although I think the two are both equally important, unfortunately performance is going to be more likely to have like a financial component yeah. associated with it. And so like pulling up your site and web page test on a slow 3G, whatever like connection, and especially if you do that next to your competitors to see if your performance is like way worse than your competitors, then I think that's another really compelling argument and case that you can make in... You know, there's plenty of proof out there that improving performance of your site, like increases conversion and, um, you know, the money that you make, which is a lot of times what the people in charge are the most cared, like care the most about is.
0: Is. Yeah, and I guess working on an e-commerce site, that's pretty yeah. pretty important. Yeah. Is like someone <laughs> going to check out and purchase, or they're they're leaving because it's right, taking exactly. forever to load. Exactly.
1: So. Yeah, it's something like like fifty something percent of people leave if it takes more than three seconds. Wow. To load is the num last number I heard. So. Yeah, that's a lot. It
0: gets back to that empathy. It's like yeah, having someone just suffer through a slow loading, put them on a 3G network. Yeah, I love the comparison to uh, like a competitor because that's always a really important to your company is how can we be better than the competitor? And just really, here's the comparison, especially if they're a lot better. Then it really helps. Look how slow we are. We need to improve that.
3: I, so personally, I, when I look at a webpage and let's say I'm shopping for I don't know, a new bank, looking to open a bank account somewhere. I look at their websites and I look at their design, I look at their performance as like just being an engineer because I want to get a feel for it because it tells me what they value. And if they don't value enough to like make good responsive design or it's not fast or it's just terrible UX, I tend not to go with that company because it just tells me what their values are. And they're like, oh, we're about making money and all these things and like, screw you, sign up. Versus no, we care about the customer and we care about their experience. And I don't know. It's, like, really holistic to me when you talk about UI and building, like, good performant UI. So a good front-end culture, yes, it will make you more money in the long run, hopefully. But it really, to me, it it demonstrates the values of the company. Um, I had a... I was just off my honeymoon in French Polynesia, so I had an exciting time of uh, surfing the internet on very, very, very... Yes, very bougie. Bora Bora is is beautiful. Screw you all. Was Stacey there with her yacht?
2: I was uh, near. I was near there.
3: Stacey waved at me from her yacht but would not stop. She wouldn't stop. She would not stop. She saw me. I saw her Saw me because I texted her and I saw her pick up her phone and then put it back down and she did not respond. No. Yeah. But I I had the privilege of surfing the internet um, on very, very very slow connections. And it's funny when you actually need something, it's a lot different from simulating like 3G or simulating throttling because you're like Whatever, any given time I can like, exit out of this. When you really need something, that's when you feel that deep frustration. And I surfed a lot of sites that I normally hit, and I realized, man, these people do not care about performance. Uh, I'll go ahead and call, call out Amazon, because they're a big company, they can take it. Which th- you would think, out of all people, they would care, There's, going to the e-commerce oh, part. Man. I was trying to transfer a book from my phone to my Kindle, because I'm reading a lot on vacation. And the site was just slow. Like, they didn't paginate anything. It loaded a- every book I've ever... The site, it, like, it actually locked up my browser. It was so slow. And this is, like, one of the most valuable companies in the world. And they put no emphasis on, like, fixing these really basic performance things. And it just told me what their values are as a company right there if they can't fix these, like, really basic, basic things. I'm proud to say Netflix is very fast, still.
0: So. <laughs> that's, that's good. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'll save to call on another company. <laughs> I mean, I love what you said, too, that you would bounce or leave a, or not go with a certain company or site. I've totally done that many times. Just maybe it's even just de- I think design even in that sense is like you didn't put any effort into this. This user experience is terrible. So I
2: think even if you are like not in engineering or a design and you maybe don't consciously see some layout issue or that something's janky, you feel it. And so even subconsciously, I think you feel that and like that, that is an impression that people have of your product. And so um, you could, I don't know, to like back to the original question of like, if you're the sole engineer, you could like, like snap a video or do a video screenshot of like how janky the site is and and be like hey and then send an article about how that kind of experience causes people to not trust your brand or whatever that is
0: yeah Uh, and there's probably a lot of great data out there that you could kind of pull from our other articles that try and emphasize that as well because is there data around this it's like yes there (laughs) is so much lots of data data. you can find it out there so i like that
3: and that's what gets me is I think in 20 years we'll we'll have like much more research in the UI and things like that, and we'll we'll see the impacts of like oh a slow site, and maybe it's three seconds, maybe it's two seconds, like that really uh, impacts your bottom line. But what I see is a lot of companies that spend you know a million dollars in marketing on like some big ad campaign, they're buying AdWords all this stuff, and they put they like, don't even measure they don't measure they didn't put any investment in their UI to their site, and it just it doesn't make sense to me that you're saying like oh I care about getting customers in the door, but once they get here well let's hope they find that that buy button and it's just like this weird dichotomy in ui and it still exists today i don't know why hopefully in a few years it goes away but that's what we're here for to try that's to why we
0: <laughs> preach <laughs> the good word that's why front-end culture in your company is really good this is why we need it what are some uh ways front-end cultures might differ between companies
2: i think sometimes if you have a company that maybe has like like a monoculture like there's really kind of like only one type of person there so if you have like oh, this startup was by a bunch of Stanford CS grads, you know, like in that stereotype of like a Silicon Valley startup. If you have like just one kind of person <laughs> at a place, like that culture will be very different from a place that, you know, has has diversity in it. And so having diversity of um, titles and roles um, like will help you make a better product versus having everybody with the same background, same role, same, you know, experience so i guess that can definitely i think change the culture of like the company that you're at so
0: so even diversity of thought even just in your engineers will help build a better culture which also will help build a better product i mean it's totally pretty given on that
5: i think kind of on that note in terms of diversity like one thing that i've seen and one of the reasons i really was looking forward to joining netflix was that um when we joined we were experimenting with the title of ui engineer as opposed to just software engineer and I thought that really recognized um, the value that Netflix saw in the like actual engineering that goes into building UIs, but also within that, that there's a diversity of UI engineers sort of like where their passion for UI, which can span from, hey, I work on the UI, but super close to the API, or hey, I work on the UI and I work very closely with designers. There's a huge range there in, in what a UI engineer can be. And in other companies, um, ones I've worked at, people I've spoken to, there can also be sort of very siloed roles where there isn't that appreciation for the, the range that can happen in a particular role. So that's been kind of interesting to see. And like, you are a front end engineer, you do JavaScript, HTML, the designer gives you a spec and you implement it and here's an API and we don't, t- no one talks to anyone. Um,
0: <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> that works well, right?
5: <laughs> yeah, it works really well. Um, but I mean, that's, that's just to say that that's the other end of the extreme. So. The differences I've seen is sort of like one, some companies will recognize the range and other companies will not really and sort of put their engineers in their respective, I disagree that they are respective, but corners, you know?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a really interesting point to bring up is it kind of touches on the larger like cultural zeitgeist right now about like what does it even mean to be a front-end engineer? And I've definitely worked places where it was like, If you were front end, you wrote HTML and CSS and maybe a little bit of JavaScript and like that was it. And then but then I know there are other places where they're like, oh, if you're a front end engineer, you write React and like you're you're super heavy and like moving the server into the client more and more. And like and I think that I think that's like Really makes it difficult in uh, a lot of times to talk about even what front end engineering is or what it could be or what your culture could be because there's such a variety. I think it, I think it was, um, Brad Frost called it like the front of the front end and the back of the front end. Yes, I remember
4: that. That's so good. Yes. It's so true. Yeah, yeah it
1: is. Yeah. <laughs> and like, you know, for someone like me, like I've been doing this for a really long time and, Back in the day, like there was no back of the back of the front end. It was just the all the front end, and
0: and it was actually probably a lot of HTML and CSS because even JavaScript wasn't like heavy.
1: Yeah, he wrote some DHTML. some some DHTML. Yeah, sons of of suckerfish drop downs. Yes, what up? Um
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going there.
1: Yes, (laughs) but yeah, I think it's it's getting harder to define what front end even means or what it is which I think makes it harder to figure out if you're
2: at a company and you're like we need better front end culture like where do you start I would say like the back of the front end thing is so fascinating to me and that I concept of like some people that call themselves like I'm a javascript engineer and you're like what do you mean by that like oh you're like the back of the front end is what you mean like you love state management and and figuring out data in the front end like okay cool that's like the back of the front end but you're not like a full stack front front
0: right (laughs) (laughs) it's like we're just getting terms on terms of like what this title is
1: (laughs) well like we we at etsy we um we bring in a lot of boot camp grads like we're it's we partner with the recurse center and you know the folks who are going through these coding boot camps all they learn is node and react and everything is javascript from the server all the way through and then you know sometimes we we hired folks and then you know it's like oh they're a full stack engineer they're a full stack engineer but really they know node and they know react and that's it and like they don't know anything about accessibility they don't know anything about css you know you ask them to explain the cascade or specificity, and they have no idea what you're talking about. And you know, for me, I'm like, oh, is that really what it means to be a front end engineer? But like, it's changing. So the way that I have always thought about it, maybe it's that's not the right way to think about it anymore. I don't know. It's 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 a difficult question these days <laughs> to find an answer to.
0: I wouldn't even consider that full stack, right? Like, you're like, well, yeah, you're working from the node server. <laughs> to some of the front end but it's I wouldn't even call that full stack on the back end either because there's even layers behind that typically so
2: it's like we don't have enough titles we don't have enough yeah. roles that make sense anymore yeah how, how this is all evolving
3: like why, why can't we just all be software engineers with the specialization in these like you don't say like oh that's I mean you might but you might be like oh that's a heart doctor that's a blah 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 doctor it's like no they're all doctors and they have specializations each however they're all skilled enough that to be general doctors like if you were bleeding they could all help you because they're all doctors (laughs) but like he's a cardiologist she's um i don't know an obstetrician that was a little sexist wasn't it yeah that's a little (laughs) gem that was i don't know (laughs) she's a chiropractor (laughs) I, i couldn't remember the brain what's the brain one
2: neurologist neurologist, neurologist. Yes, yes that was where
3: i was yes. going but i ran out so yeah. <laughs> sorry, judge <me> sorry <laughs> no no <laughs> but i kind of like the doctor thing that's a good
0: point is you're right like if you're doing the engineering aspect you can jump in and do something if you had to in the back end or try and figure it out but it's not your specialty um you're not going to be as good as the the back end engineer is but you're you're able to still do that
2: it's interesting because if we did that that is we were talking about how do you tell if a place has a particular culture if i look for a job and i see that they have roles on their site of front end or ui engineer i'm like oh they get it they get it that's a place Mm -hmm. i want to work so they obviously get it enough to have it all be all the way out to like how they try and recruit so if we call everybody a software engineer at this point right now i stereotypically think oh they want a bunch of cs grads that maybe don't know front-end very well, but maybe they do. I'm not sure. Like, I get very hesitant about it at that point. And it could
0: all just be in that title on that job listing. Because what if it said software engineer and listed all front-end expertise, you would still be like, "Ah, but it's not called a front-end role. Maybe, yeah. I like that. Make me pause. Yeah. That's
2: because of the state of things. first argument
1: to be made, which is like, I actually kind of like that my title is just staff software engineer. Like, I'm not... I'm not a front-end engineer even though that's what I totally am like that's not my title and I think that when we talk about respect like having cheers, cheers. cheers. <laughs> having that title that's the same as everyone else I think it show it it levels the playing field a bit you know like I mean cuz let's be honest like if your title is front-end engineer you're going to get paid less than other people in your org who have a backend engineer title. And I kind of like the fact that like the playing field is level. Although I do agree that like if I just saw a job for a full stack engineer or software engineering, I probably wouldn't apply to it because I would be like, this isn't who I am, you know? So there's this weird dichotomy of titles of like, yes, it shows that you value this skill set, but also there's this history of devaluation and this history of of um you know like frankly like sexism of looking at it as being like oh it's a it's a it's a female thing it's less it's not real programming it's not real you're not a real engineer that you know something about that title certain people see that or think that so you're like
2: a, b- a baby engineer yeah. You're You're working
1: kids, your way up the to a kits. real engineer. Oh, I worked somewhere and they called us the web kids. And oh, I was no. like, excuse me. Ew. <laughs>
0: yeah, gross. Whereas actually I, I agree with you on the software engineering like just calling it one thing, we're all doing the same thing. But then there's also a part of me that just likes to be a UI or front end engineer. Like I, that's totally. what I value totally. and care about. And that's what I want to be called but I also like just even playing field we're all doing the same thing you care about one piece I care about the next and that's that's completely cool
3: so be like slightly contrary I I don't necessarily want to work for people who only know HTML CSS and JavaScript like at some point and we've all hit this you will hit some sort of command line some Linux issue some database issue and like you need <laughs> skill sets oh, get, or get. <laughs> oh yeah no, I, I have um I think I've told the story, but I once interviewed someone, and I said, like, all right, how do you check out a branch in Git? And they're like, well, I use the UI and the GitHub or UI the Bitbucket. Or, or Bitbucket. Or it Bitbucket. Yeah, but, but there's even tools that will hook excellent up. Excellent UIs. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. had. They had <laughs> <laughs> it was probably Bitbucket. I'm sure it was Bitbucket. But they had no idea how to do it on the command line. And I said, well you may be really good at UI, but like there's a base level competency that I'm looking for. And like, this doesn't hit it. And that's kind of what I want from everybody. So I don't know, like, it, it's cool to be like the world's best UI engineer, but I, I want software engineers to work with because you will hit issues that you've never seen before. And I don't want someone to be like completely stuck. You don't have to be a pro, but you should like be a bit more well-rounded.
2: What if that person seemed very resourceful though? And they're just like, I don't know how to do it, but I could easily figure that out.
3: That I
0: would be looking for. Nobody's going to know every answer. And maybe they are comfortable using UI for Git. But I think it's all on what's their aptitude for learning something or even just admitting that you don't know. That's a different answer.
3: It's it's more like you should have seen some of this before. Like you don't be an expert by any means. Like I use Linux a bit. But I couldn't remember any of the commands like at any given time. Like it's embarrassing how little You know what's I can really remember. helpful for
0: that? Google.
3: Google. Oh, yeah. I look up stuff all the time. I mean, I literally teach a course called Full Stack of Front End and I can't remember half of it most of the time because I, I don't use it. However, if I see it, I know where to look and who to ask. And it's more like I wouldn't want someone to run into the deer and headlights like what do I do?
0: You you have enough to be dangerous.
3: <laughs> yeah that's 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 the level of software engineer i want to work with like someone is like yeah i could i could take down a database or two like, i
1: could uh, take
3: down the website i know some queries <laughs> my, i can misconfigure my... nginx yeah <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> I, I know enough to get in there it's cool it's cool and then you know your whole build system's broken it's cool but i figured something out i have Even a question on top of that, and I think to Jem's whole rant rant, (laughs) uh, in that area is I think oftentimes even the history, we, you know, we went all the way to DHTML. Um, But like some engineers still out there will be like, I am front end and I do CSS and HTML, no JavaScript. Do you need to know JavaScript to be a front end engineer?
2: I think it depends on the size of your company. I think it's awesome if someone super specializes because you might need that. It might be incredibly beneficial for you if you're creating like a design system and you need someone who knows CSS inside and out and actually really, really understands architecture, like CSS architecture. That's a thing that takes a lot of thinking and time and specialization. So if you're a big enough company and you and you can afford to have like tons of specialization, awesome, all the better. Your site will be all the better for it.
1: Oh yeah, I think it's it's that what we were talking about before is the the different layers of front end. Like there's so many different layers of front end. I think it's perfectly legitimate and valid to be a specialist in one or more of the layers and not necessarily all of the layers. And, you know, but it's funny though. I feel like most of the front end engineers that I know are the people who are like super curious and they're super empathetic and like they want to do more things and they're willing to just like, jump in and, and do something different and figure it out and I think that that's like a really that curiosity we talked about it before like the curiosity and the empathy and all of that is like a super important and valuable skill set that I think is why front-end engineers are the best engineers <laughs> we're not biased respect. at all not biased respect. not at front-end front happy engineers are the best engineers on the planet oh, respect. <laughs> cheers.
3: respect cheers <laughs> So I'll, I'll throw this one out. What about a front end culture does it also mean respecting the back end? So being like I am an awesome UI engineer, I can make charts and graphs and like make the page responsive all these things. But do you think a good front end culture also means like respect on the other side of things?
0: Absolutely. We're saying that they all need to respect the front end. It's it goes the same way and I we've said the keyword quite a few times. So so cheers. cheers. cheers.
5: I am just looking for an excuse to drink. So.
0: But yeah, that to me is, you should care about that too, or at least have a somewhat of empathy or understanding. Cause you're also working closely with this team. It's like, if you're working with a team that builds your APIs, like you're going to have to talk to them or better understand how you interact with their APIs. And so, yeah, you need to respect that. It goes the same way. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers.
2: I've generally never seen disrespect. Oh boy, for the back end (laughs) is that is that a cheers or it's like a a, derivative it's a a cheers (laughs) i feel like i haven't haven't seen that much like i I feel like maybe that's from my lived experience like i see the, the reverse happen a little bit more and i don't know what that is i don't know why that's part of like what's happened with the culture of front end and back end um but like i've definitely seen a lot of front ends that will say like Oh I you know I don't know about how to do that with the APIs like well definitely go talk to the that team um but then the reverse is like not consulting the front end and just like doing something random. So it is interesting that I like from my lived experience I don't see that happen as much. Um and maybe it's it it ties into some of the things we talked about earlier. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, that's definitely the experience that I've had is either either there's mutual respect or it only goes one way towards the back end and never towards the front end, like never the opposite. But
3: Where, where I've seen it is um, usually from non-CS oriented people, non-engineering people, it's that the front end is shiny, it's tangible, like you can see it, you can interact with it. I can say like, oh, I built this interactive chart and it slides and it moves and the CEO goes, whoa, Gem's the best. But this other engineer, she goes, Well, I scaled the back end from five hundred thousand requests a second to a million requests a second, and we're still using the same cluster. No one cares. Like that <laughs> that like that's far more impressive and far more challenging, but that's where I've seen the like the not respecting the other side of the the culture as well. And I think
0: That's fair. A- so it's even like this out outside perspective, like from partners or higher up people looking at it as like that's tangible. This is you know, I can see and feel this. Well, maybe it's yeah, a business
2: side. Yeah, like maybe yeah. like outside of the, our our engineering people, but like yeah, business side or product people or something. That that I've seen for sure. Yeah, I yeah, definitely seen. have seen. And that's that.
3: and that to me is like part of good front end culture is like calling out your colleagues and, and data or, or uh, data science or analytics and being like, Hey, yeah, I built this like really cool thing. However, it's powered by all these other people who did this work that you'll never see, but I work with them every day and like That to me is a good culture on both ends. It's like just respect going back and forth. Totally. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
5: I'm the alcohol cop.
0: (laughs) It's a good role. All right. So before we get into picks, I always like to say, like, let's leave one piece of advice. You've got this lonely front end engineer that's stuck on a team that's, you know, maybe doesn't value the front end culture as much. How what's your one piece of advice to change that perspective in a company?
5: I think one key thing I I noticed from like all of the solutions that we were proposing earlier is like finding a way to build empathy, whether that's through a lunch and learn or a hack day or like laying some groundwork with tools and stuff and just find a way to kind of get them involved and hopefully engaged and excited. And and that's kind of like the empathy building that you need for them to understand that this is valuable and this role exists for a reason.
1: I think the advice that I would give is that don't give up. The front end is super valuable. <laughs> it's really important and even if you're not feeling super appreciated like understand that there's a path forward and that you can prove your worth and it is valuable and you know I I could see being in that situation and kind of feeling like really frustrated and like ready to give up and like don't give up I promise you're valuable
2: you're worth it you're awesome and I think taking that further um if you've tried all the lunch and learns and you've tried you know you've given a valiant effort for maybe a long time and it's still not happening where you're still maybe not feeling respected or or valued there are places that will value you and they will be very appreciative of you and your skills and they are out there too those companies are out there
0: the advice is quit
2: (laughs) 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 after trying after trying
3: i just echo what Mars is like try to build empathy um just try to remind people that all software engineering is hard. It doesn't matter which side you're on, and there's no one side that's easier than the other. I, I don't know why that's still a common misconception, but it is. <laughs> and I don't know. Do what you can to try to break that, and maybe drop like uh, some performance studies, like 100 milliseconds makes a difference between a sale and not a sale, and like that's something we control in the front end and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think also too, if you're that only person in in the company, and maybe yeah, it's hard to to build those relationships with the rest of engineers. Is there's a great community out there like there are ways to like get advice from others whether it be on twitter or podcasts or whatever it is is i think there's ways to kind of help that culture slowly build up
5: and to Katie's point earlier, too, there might be allies within the company that aren't engineers. And also, Jem's point talking about like showing, you know, what you built to your product manager, your CEO, or finding designers who can sort of like help you fight the good fight. So, so finding your allies, too, can be really important, even if it's just to vent to someone.
0: All right. At the end of each episode, we like to share pics of things that we've found interesting and would like to share with our listeners.
3: Jem, you want to start it off? Share your picks for this episode. Yeah, uh, I have three picks today. Uh, My first pick is probably the best movie I've seen all year. I know, and I'm hypercritical of movies because, you know, I can do that. Whatever, I paid my money. (laughs) I can judge them. Um, My first pick is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is one of the best movies I've seen all year, probably in the past couple years. It is phenomenal. It's animated, but it just like...
1: I watched it on the airplane out here. It's so good. So,
0: Jem, like, you probably watched, like, similar timing, too.
3: Yeah, it's just fantastic, and everybody that saw it in theaters is like, oh, you should see this movie. I'm like, oh, it's animated, whatever. It's great. It's rated G or PG, so, like, everybody can watch it. It just, like, really hits all the points, so it's worth seeing. Uh, My second pick is Deadpool 2, which (laughs) it's just hilarious. Like, it's just so irreverent. Uh, I know I'm, like, talking about two different extremes here, but, uh, Deadpool 2 was probably one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long, long time. Uh neither of these are streaming on Netflix, so good luck. Find them find them somewhere else. <laughs> we usually pick Netflix stuff, you know. Fly Jet
1: to... Blue. <laughs> <laughs> right now. It's
3: like that that's how you gotta go see these things. Fly to New York, see some movies for free. That's... Uh, my last pick is um it's this thing called plus codes. I, I ran across it the other day. And it's the idea that it's an address for everybody. So it's a series of codes that doesn't change. It's free. It's open source. Um, it's more for people that don't have homes or, f- or, for instance, like let's say their streets change a lot. We we don't think about things like that in the developed world where our streets are paved and things like that. But plenty of places in the world, I don't know, middle of the Amazon, how are you going to get a package there? How is someone going to visit you? The idea of plus codes is like this universal address system. It never changes. doesn't need GPS. It makes sense in a mathematical way, so you can like figure out, these coordinates from somewhere else it's a really fantastic idea and i really hope it comes on uh or catches on a bit more
2: amazon doesn't deliver to the amazon
3: Ooh, do they
2: i don't know (laughs) that seems like they should
0: stacy what do you have for us
2: i've got two picks that are music related as as per usual i've got the first one is um a new song by ellen allian called stimulation it's off her eighth uh new solo album alien tronic um, it's kind of a mix of like ambient, techno, and electro, if that's a possible combo. Um, and then Poor by Recondite. Um, it's kind of like good, heavy beats to code to. So another another good one for the the headphones and coding.
0: Nice. You always have some good picks for coding. I hope
2: so. I try. Mars. Um,
5: so my first pick is a newsletter called Inside Deals. Um, it's a part of a series of newsletters that Inside, as a company, puts out. But this one is specifically focused around like hardware and travel. And they have a lot of really good, at least for me, I like the travel stuff. So they've got like good flights to interesting destinations for cheap. Um, and my second one is actually an article about routing with React hooks. So I was like playing around a little with hooks recently in a prototype I was working on and didn't, I mean, kind of got a basic understanding of them, but to see them using kind of a more powerful application within React was really interesting. Um, kind of like elegant, simple solution. So if you're interested in hooks and how they could work for you, check it out. That's interesting.
0: Nice. Katie, what do you have for us?
1: I have a couple picks. So <laughs> the first one is that my insanely talented co-worker, Alex, um, just released an EP on Bandcamp with her project, The Fascinating Chimera Project, um, which is an amazing name, and it's also a really good descriptor. And I'll try to remember what the kids call it. It's some sort of like lo-fi Shoegaze, electro, something—I so, don't know. It's just really it fucking yeah, good. It's, I'm, I'm like, it's this sounds amazing. so amazing. It's so good. It is so good. um You need to go on Bandcamp and download the fascinating kind project. My other pick is uh, carbon.sh, which is at carbon.now.sh. And they're all nodding. This is brand new to me. I just found out about this. You're this so week. uncool, kid. I am. Jeez. I'm like, I don't know what the kids are doing these days. But yeah, no, Carbon is really cool. It's basically like a website where you copy paste in some code and then it outputs this really awesome um, formatted and syntax highlighted picture that you can drop into conference talks and presentations and slide decks and things and it's gorgeous. And then my other picks are um because I am in San Francisco and this is like the capital of tiki culture in America, I'm going to list out my favorite tiki bars in San Francisco. Um so number 1 is Pagan Idol, which is like the new kid on the block, really really cool. Um they also have really good mugs. I have a couple of their mugs at home. Um, my second (laughs) favorite is you got to go old school with the Tonga room because it has the, the floating boat that the bands play on in the rain. Just like. It sets the scene. Oh, it's so old. And I love like the boat, like bar where you can like hang out on like the fake boat, So cool. Um, smugglers cove is always a classic. I'm afraid that it just recently got supplanted by pagan idol, but, um, and then I really want to go check out the new place that, I, it's last right yes i'm super pumped because it's like a combination indiana jones slash tiki bar which is my aesthetic 100%. that sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and if you ever go to las vegas go to frankie's tiki room which is like the best tiki bar in america so wow just to go with our mai thai theme I had to talk about Tiki Bars.
0: All right. I have uh, two picks, and they are both photographers on Instagram. Going with the theme, these two photographers, they scale high buildings in cities that they're not really supposed to be scaling. And they take these epic photos that just kind of almost make me sick to know that they are just climbing these buildings when they shouldn't be. One is in Toronto, Skywalker, and one is in New York, Hamza Diaz. So highly recommend checking out their work on Instagram. Before we end the episode, I want to thank Katie for joining us. It was a pleasure having you join us, and thank you for the amazing my ties. You're
1: welcome.
0: Where can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, so I'm on Twitter at ksyler s y l o r, and also on Twitter at oh shit kit.
0: I was gonna say I'm like two twitters, but that <laughs> that <laughs> makes a twitters. lot of sense.
1: I know it's weird. It feels weird to have two twitters, but branding branding hashtag. Yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Make sure to subscribe to Frontend Happy Hour. And you can follow us on Twitter at FrontendHH. Any last words?
5: Respect. Eh, respect. Respect. <laughs>